0: Is now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. So I told you about our uh, very low-key subdued bachelor party that was uh, filled with mostly just music, either playing music, uh, actually playing. I was observing most of the playing, but a lot of great guitar players in the crowd or DJing the great music as well. We went on our hip-hop deep dive on Friday night, but then that, that turned into... Schooling up some of the young ones about the art of sampling. So then we got on the disco train. Some of the best disco songs or funk songs that then turned into hip-hop songs. A lot of songs that a lot of the dudes didn't know have been sampled before. Always fun learning and educating all about the wide world of music. Just like it's always fun learning and educating about the wide world of sports. Welcome back. is now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, most days, except for not today, because of the NAIA World Series, and the uh, ESPN MT app, if you do want to watch us live and or archived, you always can, missed anything in hour number one, lots of guests, Olivia Lewis, the star of the Corvallis Girls track team, who won three gold medals herself and ran what Became the winning leg on the mile relay team joined us as Corvallis uh, gutted out their eighth overall Class A state championship on the girls' side. We also heard from Clifton McDowell in studio. He is an uh, incoming quarterback for the University of Montana. And we heard from Kalispell Glacier head coach Abby Snipes after the Wolfpack won the Class AA state softball tournament uh, this most recent weekend. All of that on the Nuanas Now podcast. Proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. If you want to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business, visit goblackfoot.com. No, one is not podcast. Also presented by the M store where they're all grizz all the time. And it's probably presented by the Montana state bookstore. Your best place to get blue and gold on game day or any other day when you're in Bozeman or on the Montana state campus. It's time now for our ESPN Roundtable, presented by paradise falls each week, we feature a long-form interview about a variety of different subjects, and our guest this week on the ESPN Roundtable is Austin Green. He's a global scout and a guy who's worked uh, in close proximity to professional basketball on a professional level, both domestically and globally. He's also a University of Montana Journalism School grad and uh, one of our favorite guys to talk NBA with. Austin, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Colton.
0: What? Uh, Good to hear from you, man, and I'm glad you survived your camping trip and uh, glad to have you back uh, on the radio here. Uh, Let's talk all things NBA playoffs. First and foremost, before we give a a finals preview, what have you thought of just the way this playoffs has played out? We talked last time you were on just sort of about this this new phenomenon of load management and how it sort of influences uh, the way that the the seedings play out and, and how maybe that made this NBA playoffs uh, as wide open as ever, or maybe how some of the records might have been fool's gold because those teams had less load management associated with them. So now that we're here with the best, the team that was the best in the West, and the Denver Nuggets playing the team that was playing in the play-in play-in game once upon a time in the Miami Heat, and now only the second eight seed ever. How would you just sum up maybe the way that the regular season then dictated the way that the, these playoffs has played out?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been super interesting. I think your general point about load management and, uh, you know, resting players during the season and the differences between the regular season and the playoffs maybe never been, being greater, uh, I, I think that has kind of borne out with Jimmy Butler and the Heat making it to the finals as a number 8 seed. I think, they you know, they got some good luck in the first round when Giannis got hurt from, from Milwaukee. That kind of opened the door for them in that series. And then once they were through Milwaukee... Brown kind of opened up for them, and uh, but yeah, you look at you know Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, the Heat team. These guys, uh, you know, took a lot of time off in the regular season, rested, maybe didn't go 100, percent but then kind of turned it up when they needed to, and made it all the way to the finals. And then in the West with LeBron and Anthony Davis, when we when we talked, they, I think they were still in the first round against Memphis. They come in as a seventh seed. Memphis is banged up, going through the John Morant saga, all of that stuff. LeBron and AD come in, you know, kind of take out Memphis, take out Steph Curry in the next round, and then suddenly you have a seven seed in the Western Conference Finals. And, uh, yeah, obviously that's not, uh, that's not typical either. But Denver, they've been the best team all season. Jokic has been unstoppable. Jamal Murray has been incredible in the playoffs. Uh, they have an interesting home court advantage with the altitude up there in Denver. I think that that probably helped in their series against the Lakers, against, uh, an old LeBron and, uh, and uh, Anthony Davis, who sometimes struggles with his health, so yeah, it's it's interesting how we got here. But I think it's going to be a really great finals. I think Jokic, Butler, there's there's good star power. If you're a basketball fan, I think you gotta you gotta love both of those guys and how both of these two teams play.
0: Well, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, he has been very outwardly uh, open about how, for his vision of what he wants the NBA to be all about, he wants there to be. Uh, a league that's ripe with parody. He wants there to be superstars spread across the the country, across the league. And, you know, we've sort of seen that. We've seen recently, at least, some of the super teams sort of fall on their face and some of the teams that have a little bit better uh, hierarchy of leadership, so to speak, thrive. And I think that's exactly what we got in the NBA Finals. There's also, though, then the worry that uh, sort of this load management era or load management trend – sort of demeans the the regular season. So uh, is the emphasis on parity good or bad right now for the NBA?
2: I think it's good overall. I I think if you have the superstars kind of spread across the league, I think that's healthier for the league as a whole, 30 franchises. There's a ton of talent in the NBA right now. And and every team, you know, they've got, you know, either a superstar or a a top all-star, or they've got a couple guys who are fringe all-stars. So there's a ton of talent in the, in the league right now. I think it's great if it's, you know, kind of being spread across. You don't necessarily have Kevin Durant with the Warriors, you know, just coming through and, and destroying everybody for three years. I think, I think the parity, the uncertainty has been good. I think, you know, this postseason in particular, it's, it's been really interesting because you have, you know, seven seeds and the eight seats with superstars like LeBron, Butler, uh, Kawhi for the Clippers in the first round against Phoenix. Um, I think, I think it's good to kind of have that spread. And then, yeah, I think you're definitely seeing the teams with better depth uh, and better continuity coming out on top. Both these Denver and Miami teams, they've been together for a long time. Same head coach for a long time, Eric Spolstrom with Miami, Michael Malone with Denver. And then they've got, as you said, the clear hierarchy where they've got the clear number one Jokic is the number one in Denver, Butler in Miami. And then they've got the second guy with Jamal Murray in Denver and, uh, and Bam Adebayo in Miami. And then a bunch of role players who all understand what they do. They kind of you know do the dirty work, rebound, defend, set screens, make open shots. Uh, and then both of these teams are just super tough. So I, I think um, you know with the superstar, super team era kind of fading into the background with Brooklyn and some of these other teams flipping out lately, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more teams try to copy this model where you get the one superstar and then another kind of all-star level guy with him and then just fill in around those guys with, uh, with with as good of role players as you can get.
0: ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Great place to gather with family and friends alike. They also have a full-service casino and a bet Montana kiosk. So if you need to watch uh, the NBA Finals, need a place to watch baseball, need a place to hang out, head on down to Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot, Austin Green. Joining us here on Nuwana's Now to talk all things NBA Finals. I do find it interesting, Austin, because I, I have always been someone that, that really respects and also puts a high priority on sort of the hierarchy of roles within a basketball team. I've always been steadfast in saying that the NBA is not NBA live. It's not NBA 2K. You can't just go get as many good you know, scoring guards as you possibly can or as many prolific scorers regardless of position as you can. You have to have guys that fit roles. You have to have guys that fit leadership roles too. I think that's what makes the Nuggets at the same time so fascinating and also so unorthodox. I think that uh, people that watch the NBA because of the – the, the star power and the sex appeal and all that sort of stuff, the drama. You're not getting any of that with Nikola Jokic and, and the way that the Nuggets operate. But in terms of pure basketball execution, moving the ball, making the right decision, knocking down the open shot, it's an absolute think of, thing of beauty. So uh, this, this is also, even though Jokic has been a two-time MVP, it's also been sort of a coming-out party for him, even though he has won the best individual award in the league twice, because he's finally doing it on the biggest stage. He's finally announcing this to the world at large. And uh, at this point now, I think it's undeniable. So, I mean, in your mind, what makes them so tough? Why has Jokic and the Nuggets been able to just completely blaze through the Western Conference and, and, and enter this NBA Finals as the overwhelming favorites?
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, like you said, so Jokic, I think he's been very underrated just kind of on a national level because Denver, it's a small market you know it's not one of the uh it's not la or boston or one of these bigger places he doesn't have a loud kind of outgoing personality you know he's, he's not like john Morant or anthony edwards where he's kind of you know out there doing commercials he's he's dunking on people he's being demonstrative you know he's a he's a pretty quiet seven foot doughy white guy from serbia so it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't catch on um you know from uh from a marketing standpoint and a casual fan understanding of his game standpoint. But basically he's, he's essentially one of the best passers of all time. He, I think he's clearly the best passing big man of all time. Uh, he's, he's unbelievable. It's seven feet tall. He sees the floor so well. He is a very unorthodox passer, very creative. And so he makes his teammates better. He's, he's kind of like a seven foot Steve Nash, basically all of these guys on the nuggets. Um, they kind of just feed off of him uh, he draws attention, he draws help, kicks it out to them. They're getting open threes, good shots at the run. And all of these guys who are with the Nuggets, you can see how much they love playing with him, love playing that style. It's fast tempo. Like you said, the ball's zipping around. Jamal Murray uh, from Canada, he is an unbelievable young shooting guard. Uh, he became just the second player in NBA history to average 30 points while shooting 50% from the field. 40% uh, from three and 90% from the free throw line in multiple playoff series. And uh, it's just him and Kevin Durant who have done that. So Murray as well, he's kind of in Jokic's shadow a little bit, but he's incredibly prolific in his own right. And they have a great two-man game. It's kind of like a Stockton Malone, like modern game, uh, much more exciting in my opinion when I was, when I was younger. I, I thought those guys were pretty boring. Uh, but Jokic is, you know, throwing passes over his head, no look. Zipping across, you know, bounce passes across the court, and then, um, yeah, these guys, you know, they just they play very well together. As you understand, as you said, they understand their roles, they know who do, who does what, and then uh, and they just kind of follow the lead of Jokic, and he's very steady, and uh, that's that's why they're in this position right now. How much
0: do you think that them getting over the top in the playoffs? Because the narrative after Jokic's two MVPs was that okay, he's done it through the regular season, but they can't get it done in the playoffs. How much? It has been the reemergence of Jamal Murray, and what other factors have played into the Nuggets finally
2: being able to get over the top? Yeah, I think Murray's injury and recovery is huge. So basically, he missed the last two postseasons with a torn ACL. He uh, he had an incredible run in the 2020 bubbles uh, uh, bubble playoffs. Uh, during the pandemic, the COVID shortened season. Murray was amazing in that; had multiple fifty-point games. But then a couple months later, he tears his ACL. He misses the next two postseasons. So Jokic individually has been excellent in the playoffs, but his team hasn't had quite the same level of success as, uh, as you know, some of the other uh, superstars at this age. Um, but he did make it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble, and then kind of you know held his own without Murray those two seasons, but the team was clearly overmatched. If you take the second-best player off of pretty much any team, that's how it's going to be. Now that Murray's healthy, Jokic uh, has that extra weapon that teams have to focus on. I mean, Murray, he scored 23 points in the fourth quarter of a Western Conference Finals game against LeBron and Anthony Davis. So getting a guy like that back takes so much attention off of Jokic uh, and then allows him kind of do his thing as well so i think i think they're probably going to end up beating miami we'll, we'll talk about that a little later but i think this is uh yeah where you're going to see him emerge and get that national recognition as one of maybe the best player in the world if not you know for sure top two or three and trending towards status of an all-time great you know he's he's when he's done he'll be on the level of the guys like hakeem and Shaq and and those level of guys in my opinion
0: He's doing it in such a different fashion as well. Snow on us now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Austin Green joining us here uh, on your radio dial for the ESPN Roundtable. Austin has worked in a variety of different roles as a scout on the global level uh, with various NBA teams and in various professional basketball circles and also uh, a contributor here uh, to when we want to talk all things NBA Uh, How about on the other side? First of all, I want to ask you about the Game 7 on Monday. Uh, I thought it was so fascinating how coming out of Game 3, the entire narrative nationally was just burying the Celtics. Joe is getting fired. Jason Tatum's soft. Is Jalen Brown going to get re-signed? Maybe we should hesitate to do that. All that sort of stuff. And uh, then the Celtics come back and win three in a row. So then you're thinking, oh, maybe this team was just playing a little rope-a-dope. How... you know, maybe they finally decided to engage it. They're just going to dispatch the Heat and be the first team to ever rally from a three-nothing deficit. And then, not so fast. The Heat that has been ripping the heart out of everybody all playoffs long reemerges again and again. Looked like the alpha dogs, and again, I just took it to uh, Boston. So. Um, First of all, where are we at with the Heat, and how much of it is the Heat culture that they always talk about? How much of that is real? How are they able to uh, take care of business in such a dominant fashion uh, in Game 7 after almost letting the series uh, slip away?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the Heat culture effect is uh, clearly very real at this point. Um, You know, the Jimmy Bam era Heat, this is going to be their second finals appearance in the last four years. Last year, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game 7 against Boston, and Jimmy misses a three that would have put them in the finals. And he gave this incredible uh, post-game speech afterwards where he says, you know, next year we're going to be right back in the same position. We're going to get it done. And, you know, a year later, here we are, Game 7, these two teams again. And uh, in Miami, they were just—they so poised. I have so much respect for what they do, uh, you know, from Pat Riley down to Eric Spolstra as the head coach, who's now going to be in his sixth NBA Finals. This guy, he's only missed the playoffs three times. He's been to the Finals six times. And, you know, you can say some of those years he has LeBron, Dwayne Wade, et cetera. But to make it with this group where it's Jimmy playing at a superstar level and then a lot of guys who are undrafted, uh, you know, Max Struz, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, uh, Caleb Martin, who was incredible in the conference finals. It's just a scrappy underdog team. They they scout and recruit these guys specifically who are overlooked, who kind of have this underdog mentality. Even Jimmy, now he's a superstar, but when he came into the league, he was the 30th pick in the draft. He played eight minutes a game as his rookie year, and then he worked himself into this uh, into this All NBA level player now. So the Heat. They kind of have that throughout their whole ecosystem. Their conditioning tests are legendarily tough. Their uh, draft workouts are legendarily difficult. They have a militaristic kind of way they go about doing things. Um, But in addition to the physical conditioning that they get from that, they're also very mentally tough and they're very steady. They just do the same thing every day. It doesn't matter if they're up 3-0, if they're down 0-3, if it's tied 3-3 going into game seven. They're just a very steady group and uh, And I think that's what you saw in Game Seven. They were very poised, kept their composure, ran through their offense, got good shots, and contrasting that was Boston, who you know, had just really bad shot selection throughout the game. They're taking pull- up threes off the dribble with no passes, uh, not running any clock. like Jalen Brown had a really, really bad game and bad series overall, although I would hesitate to overreact to that because I, I do think he's incredible. Um, but the Heat, they just did what they do. And, uh, and Caleb Martin was really incredible, stepped up. He's a guy who has, like, nine points a game, I think, in the regular season, comes out and scores 20 a game in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah, tons of respect for what they do, and it'll be really interesting to see how they handle the Jokic problem and Denver's size and the altitude of, my, of, uh, of Denver coming off a seven-game series might be a big factor in Game 1. So. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward
0: to it. Anybody that's been listening to this show, you know that I have been standing on the table, pounding, yelling, screaming about Jimmy Butler and why all the reasons I think he's underrated and all the reasons why I think his legacy needs to be accentuated and appreciated and all the reasons why I actually think that he deserves to be in the conversation amongst some of the the better shooting guards in the history of the NBA. In your mind, though, also, what do you think of Jimmy Butler and where he's at legacy-wise, especially after these last couple years, or these last couple runs with the Heat?
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think when you when you look at the great shooting guards, small forwards of let's uh, let's just say since 2000, you have know, clearly got your Kobe, LeBron, Kevin Durant. Uh, these guys are on. Kind of their own stratosphere, their own their own pedestal. But I think right below that, that's kind of you know Jimmy Butler, uh, Dwayne Wade. I, th- I think was better. Sure. Uh, you know, led a team to the finals in 2004. But it's not it's not far off. You know, I think I think Jimmy's starting to get to that point. Um, and he doesn't have a ring yet. But he also didn't have this collection of talent that some of these other guys had. He didn't have Shaquille O'Neal like Kobe and then Dwayne Wade did. He didn't have LeBron James like D Wade did. Or LeBron having D-Wade um or Durant winning those titles with Steph Curry you know Jimmy hasn't had that level of teammate when he was in Philly he had Joel Embiid but that was a, that was a younger Embiid uh not the MVP we saw this season so he's really just kind of dragged this Heat team to the finals um just a lot of sheer willpower he's a uh, he's uh I, I think you never have to worry about him wilting in a big moment. Even though he struggled in some of that Boston series, and that's part of the reason the Celtics got back into it, I think that's more just kind of exhaustion and wearing down over the course of a three-round playoff run where he's doing essentially everything. So, yeah, a huge, huge Butler fan. If he gets a ring, that's going to put him you know, up into a different level. Uh, but if he, if he doesn't win one, he has two finals appearances as the best player on a team. There's not many guys that can say that. And maybe legacy, long-term-wise, he kind of ends up in that, like, you know, Malone, uh, maybe not Barkley, but, like, you know, kind of kind of up in that level of guys. I, I totally agree because you're
0: right. I mean, when you're talking about the guys who play on the wing, Kobe Bryant incomparable, Dwayne Wade's there for sure. Uh, But then you look at some of the guys that are sort of in that middle tier, guys like Allen Iverson. Well, now Jimmy Butler's been the best player on a team that's made the finals more often than Allen Iverson. Reggie Miller, same thing. Jimmy Butler has been the best player on a team that's made the finals now more times than Reggie Miller, and certainly James Harden. You can recognize those guys' in-season accomplishments, the the scoring titles and things like that. But if you're actually evaluating this thing just based on winning, Jimmy Butler now has 16 playoff wins to his credit. He's been the best player in the vast majority of those uh, series wins, and now he's into the finals. A ring would certainly uh, send him over the top, no doubt about it, Uh, but I do think that he has continued to uh, solidify his legacy as one of the better players of his generation uh, over these last couple years. Austin Green joining us here on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN uh, MT app. Just a couple more things for you, man. Before we get some thoughts just on the key matchups in this finals, I want to ask you what you think the two teams that lost the conference finals are going to do. What's next for the Lakers? What's next for the Celtics? Where do these two teams turn?
2: Yeah, it's it's a difficult situation for both of them Uh, with Boston. The most pressing issue issue right now is Jalen Brown is in line for a massive contract extension. And with the new collective bargaining agreement that's going to kick in in a year, uh, you know, there's just going to be different different uh, limitations on teams that spend a ton of money. So if you have Tatum and Brown making a ton of money, it's going to be really difficult to build the rest of the roster around them. So that's a massive decision for them this uh, this offseason. If I were them, I would probably lean towards keeping Brown. Uh, I think there's a lot of frustration. With him right now, and then uh, with Tatum and Brown as a duo, you know uh, I think people are going to say, "Oh, it's been four years or five years of this. They've made the finals, but they haven't gotten over the hump." You know, maybe it's maybe it's time to break this up. The way I would look at it is, Jalen Brown's going to be 27 next season. Jason Tatum's 26, and all of these superstars, these great players of all time, they very rarely win their first championship before age 27. You look at Steph, LeBron, Michael Jordan. Uh, you just go all throughout history. Uh, it, it typically happens when guys are 27, 28. There's some examples where magic Johnson was really young, but he had Kareem. Kobe was really young, but he had Shaq. So for, for guys who are this young, this good to consistently make the conference finals over and over and over again, and if you make the final four, you have a legit shot at winning it. Cause if another team turns an ankle or has a couple cold shooting nights, suddenly you're lifting the trophy at the end of it all. So if I were them, I would be very hesitant to break it up. I'd probably keep Jalen Brown, try again next year. Maybe if next season it doesn't work out, then maybe you rethink things. But uh, but I think he'll still have some trade value. So that's kind of where I would go for Boston. Lakers, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think they basically they have to try to bring Reeves back, but that's going to be expensive. He had a, he had a very breakout uh, postseason, ended up being their third-best player another guy that they got midseason. Uh, they're probably going to have to try to bring him back. But I think their bigger their biggest issue right now is LeBron is aging. Him to the retirement. I don't think there's any there's a zero percent chance of that happening. Zero like, percent for sure. Totally agree. His his son's going to be at USC next season. He'll be with the Lakers. It's it's going to be a whole thing. I think he just wanted to distract from the fact that he got swept, and uh, and I think <laughs> it worked. So kudos to him. Uh, but I think he'll be there. Their problem is Anthony Davis is supposed to be taking the reins right now. LeBron, I have an unbelievable amount of respect for him. He's, he's 38 years old. He's playing 45 minutes a game in these playoff games. Like he's, uh, you know, he scored 40 points in the elimination game where they lost. He did almost everything he could possibly do. The problem is Anthony Davis is supposed to take that torch from him. Uh, when they traded for him four years ago, the idea was like, all right, LeBron's going to age into his late 30s, A.D. will take over the team, play at an MVP level like we're seeing from guys like Jokic or Embiid, and then, uh, and then he'll be the number one, LeBron will be the number two, and then LeBron will retire and we'll get another star to come in, and the Lakers just kind of keep that cycle going throughout the course of history. But if A.D.'s not physically uh, capable of taking over that mantle place from LeBron, where do they go from there? So that's, that's why I think things get really interesting for the Lakers. Um, and again, if I were them, I would probably just run it back. You know, they made the conference finals. They fixed the roster halfway through the season. A full season of that team should be a lot better. But, uh, but if AD can't play at a top five, top 10 level for multiple playoff series, the the days of LeBron winning with rings with the Lakers are probably over.
0: Austin awesome, Green here on Nuanas now ESPN radio. One last thing for you then, man. Uh, Nikola Djokic is such an unbelievable mismatch against pretty much everybody, but Anthony Davis is one of the best defensive big men in the league. You can think whatever you want about Anthony Davis's, uh inconsistencies offensively and his inability to, to rise to the occasion a lot of times, but from a pure defensive standpoint, he's definitely one of the best bigs in the league, and Djokic just absolutely ate him for lunch. Now, Bam Adebayo is in a similar vein as Anthony Davis, but he also just is coming off of a pretty lackluster conference finals until he finally uh, sort of turned it around in that Game 7. So to me, the biggest mismatch in this finals is Jokers versus everybody. I have no idea how the Heat are going to match up against them, and that makes me think that the Nuggets are an overwhelming favorite. But what do you think? What are the key matchups, and, and who's the favorite going into the NBA Finals, which begin tomorrow night?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, the size of Denver in general is going to be really, really difficult for Miami to handle. You've got Jokic, seven feet tall. Uh, I don't know how much he weighs, but, I don't know, 280. He's, he's big. He's strong. Uh, he's going to, you know, even though he's, he just, he's not, like, ripped physically, he's incredibly strong. He's tough to deal with. Uh, and then you've got Michael Porter at 6'10", Aaron Gordon's, 6'9", and, and very strong and physical. So the Heat, Bam Adebayo, he's an amazing defender, but his value as a defender is more in his mobility, his versatility, his, his ability to stay with guards on the perimeter to contain smaller players. And he blocks some shots, of course, but he's not, uh, he's not quite like uh, Anthony Davis where he's going to be a huge rim protector. So I think they're in huge trouble there as well. I, th- I think Jokic is going to dominate. He's going to put up huge numbers. They'll have to some help. Uh, they, can't, they can't single cover him. They're going to have to double team him. And if they do that, his passing ability is, is incredible. He's going to pick them apart, and other guys are probably going to make open shots. So that's, I think, a huge advantage for Denver. With Miami, Butler being their primary option, uh, I, I think he's going, to, he's going to have a good series. But Denver has some guys they can throw at him. Uh, you know, Contavious, Caldwell, Pope. Aaron Gordon, uh, Christian Braun, who's a rookie, Bruce Brown. They, ha- they have a lot of guys who are between like 6'6 and 6'9 who are strong, who can, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to contain Jimmy Butler, but they can at least slow him down a little bit, whereas I don't think Miami has any hope of, of slowing down Jokic.
0: He's Austin Green, friend of the show, as well as uh, one of our go-to guys to analyze NBA with. Thanks for jumping on, man, and uh, maybe we'll do it one more time before the finals are over, but thanks for being here. Appreciate it.
2: Likewise, I just realized I didn't make a pick.
0: Uh, nuggets in six. Nuggets and six. There you go. You're two, heard it here first. Two wins
2: for the heat
0: culture. There you go. Heat culture. Picking up a couple. And what is now ESPN Radio. That's our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Need a place to watch the NBA Finals? You can always do it there uh, at Paradise Falls. 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hotspot. spot. From NBA to a recent Multiple-time state champion who shattered an all-class record. Our senior spotlight continues. Weston Brown, Bozeman High School, joins us next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences. In somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm, because we know the players, we know the game, we can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulte.com. MultiLaw.com. One two, three. Is now on ESPN Radio. It's always weird when I'm thinking about all the music we play on this show, and then I have realizations of some of like the all-time great musicians that we've either played incredibly sparingly or never on the show. I'm not sure we've ever played Stevie Wonder on the show. Andrew's going to be like, yeah, I don't think we have, which is crazy because Stevie Wonder is one of the great musicians that has ever lived. And, you know, I mean, we have a lot of co-hosts and a lot of guests that would certainly enjoy it, but I can't believe we've never played Stevie Wonder with Rajim Seabrook in studio. Raj will be back with us, by the way, on Friday. He'll be our pretty standard Friday co-host. But um, I don't know. Sometimes I think sometimes when stuff's just too Famous or uh, even too famous. I know it's good. You know it's good. It's not as unique to play. Uh, and so I don't know. Sometimes we we just gravitate away from the all time greats. But there we are. Little Stevie Wonder here uh, on Nuanas Now. Thanks so much for tuning in. ESPN Radio and the ESPN MT app. Happy to be here with you on your Wednesday. We are coming out of a massive weekend. State champions crowned across all spring sports, softball, tennis, and track and field. And that helps us roll into then our latest Senior Spotlight edition. Senior Spotlight highlighting some of the best male and female athletes from across the state of Montana who are within their senior year or just about to finish up their senior year. And today for the Senior Spotlight, we're joined by one of the outstanding track and field runners in the state of Montana. It's Weston Brown from Bozeman High. Weston, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Very good. We got to start at the beginning. You had such an outstanding meet this last weekend uh, in Butte, including smashing the all class record in the 1600 meters. I know you've been creeping up toward it and having great times all year long, but four minutes, 10.68 seconds, that breaks the all class state record in the 1600 meters. Uh, previously held by Jake Perrin, by more than two and a half seconds. So, unbelievable. Uh, just take us through it. I mean, how were you able to get such a low time? What was your strategy during the race? And when you crossed and you realized you did break the all-class state record, what that feel like?
1: It felt great. It was a, it was a super fun meet all around, but um, I was really looking at that mile trying to break that record and really run even splits, even laps to get to that record. We were trying to run 62-second laps, so then, that would give us a little wiggle room, so that if I had a bad lap or um, something happened on one of the laps, then I'd be okay. So, yeah, then I'm working out, and um, it was a great plan. My coach Casey—he put that all together. was—I'm very thankful to have him. He—he he made it happen.
0: I believe you're referring to Casey Germain, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's from from Plains. That's kind of over by Missoula, Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and Casey, all-time great Montana State runner, a guy who. Uh, has uh, a bunch of records there at MSU and uh, sort of an icon in the distance running world as well. So, um, I mean, how much of that played into this as well? I mean, Bozeman High School has long been known for its outstanding distance core. And, you know, I mean, cross-country championship after cross-country championship, I don't even know how (laughs) they fit any more trophies in the trophy case when it comes to the the, the cross-country. But, I mean, how much of just... The coaching, but also just the, the tradition, the pride, uh, and all the previous success at Bozeman High School, how much of that has played into you, your mindset, your motivation, not only coming into this state but just throughout your Bozeman High School career?
1: Yeah, it definitely helps. It, it gives everybody some confidence, just knowing that uh, they're in a program that has quite a legacy around the state, and then um, Casey's just been building on that legacy for the whole time he's been coaching at Bozeman High. He's done an incredible job, and just keeps producing incredible athletes and uh, incredible teams to keep winning state titles in cross country. He's a he's an outstanding coach, and I'm I'm really thankful that I've gotten to train under him.
0: Weston Brown thats us our senior spotlight. It's presented by Dazzler's Car Wash and McElmurray Homes. We'll be having a variety of subjects highlighting some of the best male and female high school athletes from across the state of Montana. Weston just set the all class record in the 1,600 meters, but that was one of only uh, a couple races that you won gold medals and you also took home the 3,200 meters and got second in the 800 as well. So when you're going into a big meet like that and you know you have such a, uh, a big workload in just the span of a couple days, how do you prepare? What was your strategy to make sure that you still had a little gas in the tank for each of your races?
1: Um, we had a super light week. We really, really made it easy on ourselves compared to some of the weeks we've been doing. This one was really easy, so it helped us have a pretty good peak uh, at the end of the week. And then, um, yeah, our our strategy for the 3200 after that 800 was really just to try to hold on until the last two laps of the race, and then try to go from there. So that really worked out. Now it was once he and Casey planned that out, but um, yeah, it was it was great to do that. And um, after, after I was a little bummed in the 800, it was good to have a redemption in the 3200.
0: Well, let's talk about the 800 just because I thought that was one of the most surprising results in the field because yourself and one of your teammates, Nathan Neal, you guys have sort of been leading the way in, in all of the distances, 800, 1,600, and 3,200, plus Henry Ballinger out of Helena High was also... Uh, a really impressive runner after setting the Western Double A record in the 800 as as well. But then a an upstart freshman out of Belgrade, Wilson Schmidt, he comes kind of out of nowhere and wins this thing. So what do you think of the effort by the freshman? How was he able to to sort of get this thing done against some of you veterans?
1: Yeah, that was very impressive. I was I was really impressed with him. He had a great finish to his season. It was kind of out of nowhere. He surprised everybody at divisionals with a really fast time, and then just. Kept going at state, so it was it was surprising, but um yeah, it was a fast time. I mean, I was upset to get beat, but the time really uh, the time really speaks for itself. So it was a crazy fast year, and um I, I'm happy that happy that I was able to place in the top top part of that race too.
0: Well, we mentioned Nathan Neal, and I, I know you and him have been training quite a bit, and uh, obviously he's one of your teammates there. Uh, at Bozeman High. I know you guys went to that Arcadia invite earlier in the year, uh, early in the season, and had some outstanding, I mean, best ever, really, if they were running on Montana soil times in the two-mile, so just having somebody on your same team that can sort of push you like that, I mean, how much does that help you in your training and your mindset? Yeah, it's awesome to
1: have Nathan. He's such a great training partner, and it's fun to be around him. I just got back from practice with Nathan, so um, we're still training hard, and uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible and really unmatched when you look at it with our training, the rest of the country, there's not really a group, uh, like me and Nathan training at this, this level. Um, yeah, it's really rare and we're, I'm really lucky to, uh, get to be a part, part of it. Cause it's, it's really fun to train with Nathan. I don't, I don't think that we would both be at, at the level we're at without each other. We help, we help bring each other up. So, Yeah.
0: Senior Spotlight: Weston Brown, Bozeman High School, joining us here on Nuanas now on ESPN Radio. Let's talk about the future. Then uh, you're headed to Princeton, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. So, t- tell us about your your path there. I mean, uh, t- to get a Division One uh, opportunity. Obviously, takes great athleticism, but to get a Division One opportunity in the Ivy League, he also got to got to have some brain power behind it as well. So, uh, what did it all boil down to? And what do you think of this opportunity to go run for the Tigers?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to go run for them. Uh, it it really came down to team feel and academics. I I loved the academics, and uh, I thought the team was a group of great guys. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, ultimately, I chose them over some other schools, but uh, I'm really excited to get out there and get training with them. It's, it's going to be fun, so yeah, I'm looking forward
0: to it. Well, It seems like there's a, a connection between you know the mental discipline it takes to, to be a distance runner, as well as the mental discipline it takes to be an outstanding student. Do you see that connection, and if so, what is that connection? How come that seems to go hand in hand?
1: Yeah, I think I, I do see that connection. One of the runners from uh, Missoula, Phineas Colescott, he's going yeah. to Columbia yep. as well, so he'll be over there in the Ivy League too, but um, I guess it takes a little bit of patience to be a distance runner, you gotta wait, you can't win the race in the first uh, first lap or two in those long distance races, so um, I guess I can see that comparison, but yeah, I guess uh, never never thought about that that much, so yeah, it's interesting to think
0: about that a lot of time alone with your thoughts right you could think about all sorts of different things while you're you're out there trading right
1: yeah, yeah, you definitely can long runs they, some of the some of the longer ones get up to an hour an hour and a half so you got a lot of time to just think and stuff so yeah
0: when it when it comes to to that element of it, I mean there's some people out there listening to this probably thinking, man. Why would you ever run multiple miles at a time? How can you ever do that? How can you think that's fun? But it seems like people like yourself that get so elite and good at it, you love it. You almost even become addicted to it. When you're doing it, though, what keeps you motivated? I mean, what 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 keeps you pushing through when you get to the parts that where you experience so much pain and so much challenge? Yeah,
1: when it gets tough like that, I love to think about my goals and love to think about where I want to be and why I'm doing it. Uh, I always think about state. State's always the biggest goal for me. I always think about that and think about why I'm running. That's the reason I run is to go to state and compete at state against the rest of the uh, the best runners in Montana. So that's a big one that always comes to my mind. But then also other time goals and uh, goals against uh, previous records like that mile and everything. So yeah, there's a lot of motivation, but you just gotta got nowhere to look. So that's that's what's been keeping me going. When you first
0: started out this senior year, did you have a specific goal to break that mile record?
1: Um, I didn't start out with a really specific goal. I I knew I wanted to run fast, and I knew if I trained at the level that uh, I I trained during cross-country, I could be up there with those records, but I didn't look at any of those specific records, I guess, and say I wanted to break it. I was definitely looking at the Bozeman High School records. Those were some of my goals, which... It was really uh, fulfilling to reach those and break all those records.
0: Well, uh, it's certainly uh, worth being proud of for sure. Uh, Now that you have your high school career, at least in terms of the athletic competition, wrapped up here, uh, how would you put it in perspective? Because this has been unbelievably successful. Multiple track state championships, multiple cross-country state championships, and now this all-class state record. So uh, how would you put a bow on this? I mean, What will you remember most about your time there at Bozeman High?
1: Um, I think I'll just remember the practices and the training sessions every day. We, the runs that I'd go on with Nathan and the rest of the team, those were really a uh, big part of the training. I mean, the smallest part of the the process is the racing because sure. uh, there's a lot of lot more training that goes into it. But, um, yeah, I think I'll remember how, how much fun it was to just be a part of a big team and uh, be able to train with some of my closest friends. So, yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned that you and Nathan are still training uh, for some stuff. So is there something in the near future that you're going to be uh, running out? Are you guys going to go to any regional or national meets here upcoming?
1: Yeah, we're going to head down to Oregon and go to Nike Outdoor Nationals at Hayward and Eugene. So we're we're training hard, and hopefully we can run run pretty fast down there and get one of the top spots in the country there. Well, very
0: cool. Weston Brown Bozeman High School on his way to Princeton to run there for the Tigers cross country and track and field teams and recently crowned multiple times state champion and the new all-class record holder in the mile run. Weston, congratulations on all your success, man. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Uh, We really appreciate you being here. Best of luck with everything in the future, but thanks for making some time for us here today. Yeah, thank you so much
1: for having
0: me on. Senior Spotlight presented by Dazzler's Car Wash and McElmurray Homes. Dazzler's Car Wash treats your car like it deserves to be treated at Dazzler's Car Wash. Go check out those unlimited packages. Get your car washed every single day if you want to. And it's summertime here in Missoula, so better get it done. Located right here on Radio Way next to us at Missoula Broadcasting. Also, thanks to McElmurray Homes. Blaine McElmurray and his team, the best custom home builders in the state of Montana. Also, fierce supporters of high school athletes across the Treasure State. More senior spotlight coming up later on this week and throughout the whole rest of the summer, we appreciate Weston Brown, recently crowned multiple times state champion and the new all-class record holder in the mile run out of Bozeman High. What a what a motivated young man and what a fun kid to interview. Take you home here right after this. Keep it right here. You want us now. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We
1: have
2: now on 102.9 ESPN
0: Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. What is now? Miss anything in the show? You can always find it on the podcast. It's also a Wing It Wednesday, but we have so many guests. We didn't tell you that until right now, but we still got a dozen wings for you from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. So call us 406-406. 888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. First caller, we got a dozen wings to the Despo. We'll be back at it at 4 o'clock tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us, and have yourself a wonderful Wednesday evening. This has been Nuon is Now ESPN Radio.